This episode is brought to you in part by Candorel. Coming soon, a luxury master-planned condominium community rising at the corner of Bathurst and St. Clair. Situated directly on the subway and streetcar line, a monument of architecture and interior design, a timeless expression of glamour and grace. Forêt Forest Hill. Register today at live at forêt.ca. That's live at f-o-r-e-t dot c-a. I had a meeting with the Crown Prosecutor and he said he believes it and he's going to get a warrant for his arrest. That's the sound of the victim who has pressed criminal charges against a 79-year-old Canadian rabbi, Shlomo Leibmund, formerly of Montreal, for sex crimes against a child 25 years ago. We've changed the victim's voice because there's a ban on publication of their identity while the case is before the Quebec courts. Rabbi Mund was arrested on April 13th at Pearson International Airport in Toronto. Montreal police issued the arrest warrant, but because he now lives in Ramat Beit Shemesh Beit in Israel, police were only able to catch him after the rabbi flew to Toronto this year to visit one of his children for Passover. Mund had been a well-known person in Montreal's Orthodox Jewish community. He also operated as an unlicensed therapist. In the early 2000s, he moved to Israel after the Montreal Jewish Rabbinical Court investigated him for a different sex crime complaint from a different victim. He was told he could no longer be a rabbi in that city. That victim never went to the police, and this latest one didn't either, until recently. I don't really have any a specific hope for the outcome of what this is. He's, he's an old man. He's almost 80. You know, he might kill himself before. He might die of a heart attack. He's already had so many heart attacks. But just that he's arrested and that the word will go out and the victims will have a chance to speak up is enough for me. You know, like, I don't know if justice will ever be served for him. I'm Ellen Basner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Monday, June the 13th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Rabbi Moon was taken into custody and he spent a day in jail in Montreal before his court appearance. He was charged with sexual assault, sexual touching of a victim under 16, and incest. This victim is now an adult, but says the attack happened in 1997 in Montreal when they were a child. The rabbi's lawyer, Jesse Eru, told me the rabbi will not be giving interviews, but categorically denies the accusations and intends to defend himself. Meanwhile, he's under orders to remain at his son's home in Toronto, not to leave the country or to have any contact with the victim, among some of the other bail conditions. Coming up, you'll hear from the complainant. You'll also hear from the Montreal Jewish Rabbinical Court, who took action all those years ago. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. I'm Benjamin Brandt in Toronto, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. 120 teenagers in Ottawa who had their B'nai Mitzvahs under lockdown or other COVID restrictions finally got to have their big party. The teens gathered from across the city Sunday for the event at Ottawa's Kahilat Beth Israel Synagogue for the celebration for the COVID cohort, complete with a DJ, souvenir hoodie with all their names on it, swag, and a couple of mitzvah projects too, such as writing letters to Israeli soldiers and packing bags for the homeless. The teens either did their actual ceremonies with just a few family members in the synagogue or they did it at home via Zoom in some cases. And because of COVID, they missed out on the whole going to a different bar mitzvah party every weekend routine. So the organizers and their parents hope Sunday's event will make up for it in some way. We'll have a full story on it in the coming days. 
And joining me now is the complainant against Rabbi Mund. Again, we've changed the voice and protected their identity. He was a very well-known rabbi in Montreal. Let's talk about that first. He had a shul in his house. Um, he was a therapist also in his house. He did mitzvah lessons. Um, he was a teacher. Um, he was very well respected. And um, in the early 2000s, someone came forward to the basin in Montreal. Um, and he was raping her. I don't know if he, she was a client of his. I'm, I, I don't know the story at all. Um, and that's when the basin had their own proceedings and they just decided to kick him out. And so he fled to Israel, which is a safe haven, as you know. What do you mean kick him out? They excommunicate him from the city? They they had a hearing? What did they do? No one's surprised. Everyone knew about him. Just no one came forward. He had a synagogue in his house, but did he also teach in a school? He did teach in a school, yes. You had these incidents, or was it one or several? One incident. One incident. How old were you? I was seven or eight. Well, what do you risk in terms of the communities um, for you? Yeah, I'm not so much in the community as far as, like, I'm religious, but I'm, like, not, I'm not part of that community anymore. Like, you know, I obviously do my own thing. Um, so I don't really care. I, I have nothing to lose. How many other people do you think this has happened to over the years? Hundreds, probably. Just over the years of how I've heard people tell me that they've heard of him before or they know someone that was abused by him personally. It's a lot of people. You weren't involved in going to the Beit Dean, right? It was another complainant? It was a woman in Montreal. This was in the early 2000s. And I'm trying to find that out. I actually did call the of Beit Dean like a year and a half ago. I recorded the phone calls. Um, he obviously does not want to talk to me. He said all the documents were sent to Mishmeret Hatsinio in Jerusalem, and I can call them. They don't have any of the documents. Why did you finally decide to go the criminal route? I, I think I was born a truth teller, um, and I just, I don't have, I don't have space for not living the truth. And I was like, I, I can't not do this. You know, I, I have the support. I have a husband who supports me. I'm like doing well. There's no reason for me not to do it. I think it, it was my duty to, you know? You know, what message are you trying to do? It's not just for you. Abusers have way too much safety in our communities. They are protected by Batedin, rabbis, community leaders, therapists, mandated reporters are protecting abusers. They're living their best life just continue abusing more and more people while victims are trying to survive every day living in pain and it is beyond backwards and rabbis go and say that smeared is the problem and wigs are the problem and men masturbating is the problem excuse me but like in the front communities this is what they say that is not the problem the problem we have these days is that we are letting abusers abuse kids, women, men. It makes no sense. I called one rabbi that I know knew about the that in proceedings and I wanted to get more information. He told me that I should not 
do anything public, I should write a letter. And I'm like, dude, do you know how much blood is on your hands? If you would have done something, maybe I wouldn't have to be standing in this position today. These people aren't rabbis. That's the thing. People look up to them and like, they're supposed to protect us. This is not what's happening. It's infuriating. It's so exhausting. It's exhausting. I don't know if we'll ever change, you know, but I have to do my part. And joining me now is Rabbi Saul Emanuel. He's executive director of Montreal's Jewish Community Council. First of all, was the the Jewish Community Council aware of uh, of this Rabbi Mun's legal charges? No, we were not aware of these legal charges, not at all. And um, what, if any, in the past 25, 30 years more, has the JCC done um, in connection with Rabbi Mun and complaints about improper behavior while he was living in Montreal? So um, I've only been in Montreal 23 years, but I do remember when the original claims came up that were verified and we had a whole gamut of rabbis across Montreal that were involved in the situation. We met frequently at that particular time. He was removed from his position. Uh, the rabbis of the Jewish Community Council were fully engaged in the issue to ensure that he was removed quickly and not continue to be involved in any congregation. And at that time, he then moved to Israel. Now, what kind of complaints were mostly against children, students, adults? What did you hear? The complaints at that time, I think, were in his relationship to women more than what we were hearing otherwise. But this goes back a very, very long time. And I don't recollect everything that happened. It's a tremendously long time ago. And of course, it was in times where it wasn't always pleasant. You know, these things are not always brought up publicly, but it became a public event, unfortunately. And uh, we, we had to act and we acted forthrightly and took the right action. When you said public event, what does that mean? Well, obviously it became, it was, everyone was talking about it, just like everyone talks about anything else that happens in the public view. And today more so with social media and everything that happens. In that time, it was a little bit more primitive than it was now, but certainly it was a, it was a talking point, which obviously is not pleasant, not good for the people, not good for the victims, not good for anybody. And, uh, but we're, we were dissatisfied to hear the claims, but certainly we acted, as I said, immediately and promptly to address the issue. And was there like an actual hearing or hearings uh, with witnesses? You know, the Torah says clearly that one is supposed, if one has a claim, if someone comes to us with a claim, we can't just believe the person coming with a claim. You have to give the other party a chance to answer. So we obviously gave an opportunity. Sometimes they appear, sometimes they don't appear. And whatever the case is, the rabbis act within the, the realm of halakha, of the Jewish law. And they give an opportunity. And if the person doesn't appear, they have to continue doing what they can with or without the person. In this particular case, obviously, uh, if I remember correctly, the rabbi was spoken to and the rabbis addressed their concerns thereafter. So he, he didn't appear or he did? At, at that particular time, I, if, and again, I'm saying this totally from memory because it's a long, long time ago. I don't believe he did appear. Some conversations took place. Messages were sent. How many victims did you deal with? Or how many complaints? I don't remember the number of complaints um, exactly, but obviously it was serious enough that action had to be taken. One, one person is one too many. So even if you have one complaint, that would be sufficient for anybody to act if it's a complaint that's verified and, and confirmed. Right. But this was so serious that if I'm not mistaken, 
the rabbi said, you have to leave the city and move to Israel because you can't be with us anymore. Go no, away. We suggest you leave town. No, no, we don't do that. That's an old problem. And I've attended conferences regarding that. All that we're doing, if anybody does that, they are then all they're doing is transferring the problem to another city. And uh, that's not that's not what happened. We made it very clear that he can no longer be practicing. He then took the decision to move to Israel. Did he express remorse? Did he admit it? We never engaged. We never engaged at that time. We never engaged. So it was it was unfortunately not something that happened. Mm -hmm. And what about the victims then? Did was there any compensation, financial help for psychology or you know mental health counseling? What what's done in those cases? Or is in that these cases, right? In these cases, we always uh, recommend to send victims to they should go for help. Obviously, they need to get help. They need to get support, moral support. And certainly in those particular cases, uh, anybody who would have come, the rabbis would have recommended that they get help and go to the professional people who handle that. But you don't cover that. There's no fund for that. We, we, we are totally not uh, involved in funding of social work. That is something that's taken on by other great organizations in our city who help out tremendously. Um, would you be able to say how many sexual abuse cases of children and uh, since those days that you've had, or maybe if not the total number, how many you have a year in Montreal? Many people don't come forward. Of the cases that do come uh, forward, it's few and far between. Um, and it's very difficult to put a number to it. Sometimes you have a case that somebody phones up that something happened. When you try and verify it, the victim doesn't want to come forward. He doesn't report. So it's very difficult to put a number to such a question. But every, like I said, every case that is brought forward, if it does, God forbid, uh, we certainly have to address it right away. Why not go to the police in those days? Why keep it within the community, in, within the, the bait team? You're making an assumption that we don't recommend police. Um, no, no, I'm saying back then. Uh, let's talk now in a minute, but let's go back. The policy has always been that if there's a victim that has been assaulted or in any, in any type, way or fashion, whatever, that it has to be reported. It certainly has to be reported. We do, not, uh, we do not cover things up and certainly a person should go and report if something has happened. That's the law. That's the law. They have a right and they should go and report if there's a, something that happened. So that's the, let's let's flash forward to today. Uh, there has been a, a petition and I guess a pledge. It was in Mishpacha magazine recently in the Passover issue. Several hundred rabbis from around the world signed. I mean, maybe you're familiar with this to urge people to go to the police and not just to the community. I don't know if you've seen that. I certainly did, but that's not something that's new. We, we have been we have been reporting that for a long time, so it's not it's not something that's new. Maybe it's just a reminder for people. But the fact of the matter is that when you have a case of this nature that happens, um, we automatically tell the person that you have to do what you have to do in terms of the law and report to have this stopped immediately. Rabbi Munn's case goes back to court in Montreal on July the 11th. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out is a little longer than usual, and it goes to three Montrealers who've been selected to receive a special medal this week from the Quebec National Assembly. 
for service to the community. It's the annual ceremony conducted by Liberal MNA David Birnbaum. This year's winners are broadcaster Sidney Margulies, Dorothy Zalkman Howard of the city's Holocaust Center, and Dr. Lawrence Rosenberg, a public health leader during COVID. They'll all be receiving their medals at an event Monday night. Thank you.